At some point in, in every youth sports league, it really doesn't even matter what the, the game is, baseball, football, soccer, whatever it might be. At some point, someone, it might be the coach or the manager, it might be a parent, it even might be a teammate, somebody will say the time-honored sports cliche, there's no I in team. Now the point, it's simple. It's an easy cliche to remember, that's why folks say it. But the point is important. We play together as a team. Or we lose together as a bunch of individuals who are just playing for ourselves. If everyone is out for their own success, there's no team and there's no victory. To be successful, we have to play together. Everyone focused on the same goal. Free ice cream after the game. Paul recognized the need for unity, uh, not necessarily on the baseball field, but in the church. He recognized the need for a clarity of focus on Christ. He recognized how important it was to make recognition of the value of every member of the church. Every believer is important. This was an issue for the church there in Galatia. We'll find out why here in just a moment. But he describes this very important truth here in Galatians chapter 3. We're going to start reading it again in verse 26. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. This morning, all of us who know Christ as our Lord and Savior, we need to know something really, really significant. We are all on the same team. And not only that, the Bible takes it a step further. We're all part of the same family. In life, acquaintances can come and go. Co-workers can be there for a while and then move on to another job. I have folks who were my dear friends in high school that I haven't seen in decades. But family, that's forever. We may only get together at funerals and at weddings, but, but I know my family, when I, I come in, and maybe I haven't seen some of them for a while, some of them even for quite a while, when I come in, I, I recognize I'm still a part of this. Folks, if you know Christ, you're not just part of a club. You're not just part of another group. You are family. Paul describes it this way in verse 26. He says, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And this is not just any family. You are a child of of God. Jesus put it this way in John chapter 1 verse 12. He said, Yet to all who received Him, to those who believe in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. There are two ideas that are 
stressed in both of these passages. First of all, that we are all a part of God's family. Every one of us. Men, women, boys, girls, folks who come from a rich background, folks who may come from a challenged background, folks who come from either side of the tracks. It doesn't matter. When you know Christ, we are all part of the family. God's family. And then secondly, the way we become a part of that family is not through birth, it's not through buying our way in, it's not through having enough talent or enough pizzazz that we're accepted into the family. No, the way that we become a part of God's family is through faith in Jesus Christ. All barriers of culture, all barriers of of race, all barriers of, of economics, all barriers of political power, or anything else that we might use to define somebody as being a part of that group and we're a part of this group, all of that in Christ is erased because we all believe in Jesus. And then Paul gives an illustration of that principle in verse 27. He says, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. In the New Testament era, as it is today, baptism was a very significant event in the life of an individual. When a new believer was baptized, often they were given a new set of clothing. Now, now to us, you know, we get a t-shirt and we go, well, thanks a lot, that's really great. But back in the New Testament day, most people did not have great economic means. And and we think about that today, that you only have four TVs instead of six. But that's not, back in the New Testament day, you might have one set of clothing, maybe an extra. But most people economically couldn't afford more than a, a couple at most sets of clothing. So to be given a new set of clothing was a big deal. This was something tremendously significant. But it wasn't so much the gifts of the clothing that was significant. Far far greater than that was what it symbolized. This new set of clothing, it was a symbol for them that you're entering into a new life in Christ. Because that's, that's what baptism was a picture of. Baptism was a beautiful illustration of what happens when we receive Jesus as our Savior. That through His grace, we have been renewed. We're we're not that old person we were anymore. In Christ, we've been transformed. And that's what baptism was such a beautiful picture of as the person would go under the water and come back up. It was such a, a wonderful picture as it is today of how we have left the old behind. We now are new in Christ. It was a glorious celebration. These... This set of new clothing was also another illustration that was very familiar in the New Testament day. It is today, too. In the New Testament day, when an individual would would enter into service in the Roman army, they would be given a a uniform. That was a little bit different than our uniform is today. Paul uses the uniform of the Roman soldier to describe some elements of faith in in Ephesians. So it was a little bit different, but, but the meaning was still the same that every soldier would be wearing that same uniform and it signified that they were all united in purpose in following their commander's word. 
And now through baptism, the believer was declaring their allegiance to Christ, that they would follow Him as their Lord and as their Master. We're all soldiers in His army. We're all part of God's family. We're all sealed through the same Holy Spirit. And all of that is declared so beautifully through the waters of baptism. Lots of families have reunions. And often someone will have a t-shirt printed up so that everybody will know they're in the same family. Like they forgot from last year's reunion who everybody was. But anyway, you know, they'll have a t-shirt that, that everybody will wear. And, and so that everybody that's at the park or, you know, building or wherever they're looking, they'll say, oh, those guys in the green and purple shirts, they're all part of the same family. If you've ever wondered why we baptize people, this is one of the reasons. Baptism is a sign, a, a testimony to the world that we are a family, that we all agree. Baptism is a, a visual testimony of a spiritual reality. It's a way for every believer to announce to the world publicly, unashamedly, that I believe in Jesus. I believe He died on the cross for my sin. I believe He rose again, providing the way for me to have everlasting life. Every baptism is a celebration, and it's also a kind of reunion. The believer announces their connection to every believer present for that baptism and every believer who has gone before. That we are family. What a great thing. Maybe you've been waiting to be baptized. Maybe you've wondered, well, what's baptism all about? Why is that something important? I'd love to talk to you about that. Several of us would. We'd be glad to sit down with you. Just talk a little bit about what baptism means and what a tremendous time that is in the life of the believer to give public witness and public testimony to what Jesus Christ has has done in their life. We don't want you to miss that. We'd love to talk to you about it. Paul describes how baptism is is one way that we as as believers announce we're part of the same family. But Paul goes on. To describe how Jesus does something that nothing else in our world does. Jesus brings us together. The Galatian church was a prime example of what Paul is describing. He he, he talks about it in the next verse, in verse 28. He says, there is neither Jew nor Greek slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. If you were to walk in to the church there at Galatia, on on a Sunday morning they would have been gathered together just as we're gathered together this morning, just as believers have gathered together in churches around the world, throughout the Christian era. And if you'd walked into a a Galatian church, 
you would have found something that you probably would not have found anywhere else in the entire city. You would have found people who were from a Jewish background, seated together, worshiping together with people who were from a Roman background. Not in the society, that was pretty unusual. They didn't mix very well. You might see them in the marketplace, but even there they, they, they kind of congregated into their own little sections. But in the church it was different. There was something unique, but it, it went even farther than, than, than just their ethnic background. It went much deeper than that. Paul describes how you would find those who were slaves seated together, worshiping together, serving together, right there with those who are free. Now, that's something we don't understand as much in our society. <clears throat> we are blessed that we no longer have slavery in our society, although there are places in the world, even today, that still have that horrific practice. But uh, unfortunately, on our nation's history, we, we have that in our past. And we've all read and studied about what a horrific environment that was where there were people who actually believed that they owned somebody. That everything that that other person did was under their authority and under their command simply because they had purchased them, they bought them. And so you can understand how that would create some animosity. That would create some tension in the room. How when there were times in society when there were those who were free and there were those who were slaves, there were very specific ways on how they were to act, how they were to interact. In fact, basically, they just didn't interact at all. Except when they gathered together to worship. And as you walked into that Galatian church, Someone who just came in off the street would have been astounded to see someone who was a slave standing there serving with someone who was free. It was an amazing thing. In fact, it was so amazing that they would have wondered, what is going on here? How did this happen? But that's what Paul says happened. He says, look, doesn't matter whether you're free, whether you're a slave. We worship the same God. We serve the same Lord. And we serve Him together. Paul goes one step farther. says there's neither male nor female. Now, Paul's not saying that everybody's the same. We're obviously created uniquely. And one of the unique ways that we're created is some of us that are created male and some of us who are created female. That's great. I'm really glad for that, for one. <laughs> I think that's a good thing. But, unfortunately, in society, as we so often do, we take something that God created for good and we twist it around and we manipulate it and we use it in ways that it, it wasn't supposed to be. We uh, still have some of this even in our society, but it was far, far worse in the New Testament day. In the New Testament day, in, in horrific fashion, women were basically treated like property. They were just one step above slaves, and, and in some ways they actually were one step below slaves. It was, it was a horrific kind of a practice. 
But it just was the way it was. It's just how everybody lived. But not in the church. In the church, it was different. In the church, there were men and women, boys and girls joining together to all praise the name of Jesus. And again, it would have been something that somebody walking into a Galatian church would have been, thought, wow, what's happening here? This is like nothing I've ever seen. And then Paul talks about something that, again, for us is hard to understand because we're not from this culture, but it really was his point. You'll remember as we've walked through these verses in Galatians, he's talked about the, the issue that there were those who were saying that in order to be a Christian, in order to be saved, you not only had to receive Christ as your Savior, but you also had to follow all of the Jewish laws and regulations. And Paul has been very forceful, very straightforward in in correcting that horrible misunderstanding, saying, no, we can't do anything to make ourselves right with God. It is only through faith in the grace of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that can make us right with God. He's been very very forceful about that. But he talks about one of the issues here. He says in verse 29, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. Whether you're from a Jewish background or a Gentile background, slave, free, whoever you are, You are a child of Abraham, which again, from a scriptural perspective, and especially in the New Testament environment, that would be a very profound statement. To say that someone who was from a Gentile background could be a part of Abraham's ancestry. How could that be possible? Well, it can't. Except through the grace of Jesus Christ. And then he takes that one step farther as he says, your heirs according to the promise. (laughs) Wow. You can be a part of my family, but you ain't getting none of that estate. Paul says, we are all equal in Jesus. We are all equally heirs to the kingdom of God. All of our human categories that we use to categorize ourselves, to separate ourselves, to say, we and them don't mix. Because we do it this way, they do it that way, and we're not going to do it together. No. In Christ, all of that goes away. We are family in Jesus. From time to time, when a wealthy person dies, people will come out of the woodwork to claim that they have some access to that fortune. You may remember a few years back, a lady named Leona Helmsley, she was in the news quite a bit, and when she passed away, she she left a multi-billion dollar estate most of which she gave to charity. That's a really good thing. 
really exciting when folks uh, have an opportunity to be blessed. And as they leave this world, they, they leave a lot of that to do good. That's a great thing. But she also left $12 billion to her dog. In addition, she excluded all of her grandchildren from her will with the simple statement, for reasons which are well known to them. (laughs) Good reason to be nice to Grandma. (laughs) Well, most of us don't have billions of dollars to get into a dispute over an inheritance, although I have seen people argue over a 20-year-old couch. (laughs) It is unfortunate how some people forget the importance of family connections over a few dollars. In the time of the New Testament day, there were those, including in the city of Galatia, that argued that only those who were part of the Jewish faith, the Jewish family, only they could be a part of the promise of God. And that had led to this false teaching that was in Galatia that said, well, in order to be saved, you accept Christ, and then also you follow all these rules and regulations. Paul argues that they were both wrong. He says, by faith, anyone from any background becomes a part of the family of God. What does that mean for us? Well, first, it means we can rejoice. I know that I won't inherit a billion dollars because as far as I know, there ain't anybody in my family that has a billion dollars. I'm pretty sure I don't want their couch, too. But I'm blessed with the family. We can rejoice this morning. No matter what our earthly family may be, we can rejoice. When we know Jesus, we're part of the family of God. That's a reason to sing. That's a reason to get excited. That's a reason to give Praise. That's a reason to rejoice. We're part of the family. The family of God. But second, it means we're all on the same team. Our goal, our focus is the same. Football starts today. Oh, yes, it must be kind of already started, but that wasn't a real game Thursday night. It's the, the real stuff starts today. Whatever your, your team is that you root for, whether it's the Chiefs or somebody else, uh, you'll be there in front of the TV and you're going to be watching them. And, and all those players are going to have the same goal. The, the goal of the players on your team is to get that football into the end zone and to keep the other team from getting the football into their end zone. And you're going to watch those teams, even the Minnesota Vikings, Harlan, you're going to watch those teams work together to do that. And they're going to have a lot of differences. You may see the coaches kind of get on some guys. You may see some of them kind of squabble a little bit. But, But at the end of the day, they all have the same goal. And that's to score that touchdown. 
We all have the same goal. We're all working for the same team. Now, sometimes we forget that. And sometimes that happens on football teams too. So, sometimes they'll, they'll kind of get wrapped up in, in how much their contract is or, or, or whether or not they, they get to play as much as they think they ought to and all that kind of stuff, whether they think the coach is calling the right play, you know, all that stuff. They'll get wrapped up in that. And they forget, wait a minute, whoops, we all have the same objective here. We're all working for the same thing. Well, we're going to have differences. We're going to have things we disagree on. That's okay. Nothing wrong with that. As long as we remember we have the same goal. To give glory to Jesus Christ. That's it. That's what we do. All of the other things are to accomplish that. We're on the same team. That's who we are. Our lives, our businesses, our homes, our church, everything that we are about should be about Him. That's what we do. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. For the next eight weeks, we're, we're, we're going to shift our, our focus just a little bit. We've had a, a what's your one focus for, for the first part of this year. We've got a little over halfway through the year, we've been talking about each Sunday some things that you can do in your life to take a step forward in your walk with the Lord. For the next eight weeks, we're going to shift that just a little bit from what's your one to who's your one. We're going to be talking about that quite a bit over the next few eight weeks, but I'm going to challenge you during the month of October to think of one person that you can pray this prayer. God, in some way, over the next four weeks, allow me the extraordinary privilege of sharing Christ with them. And you may say, well, I don't know how to do that. We're going to tell you some really simple ways. It can be as simple as just inviting them to come to church with you. It can be as simple as inviting them out to dinner. And during that time of dinner, just giving a testimony for something Jesus did with you. It can be as simple as just walking next door and, and maybe trimming some bushes or mowing a lawn or helping somebody, and when they come out and say, well, why did you do this for me? Just say, well, it's because I, I care about you and because I know the Lord cares about you also. There, there's all, well, we're going to tell all kinds of ways, but we're going to be talking about ways that you can share your faith with people around you. So for the next eight weeks, I'm going to give you some ways that you can do that. And one of the ways we're going to talk about is ways that you can start a gospel conversation. We, we, we kind of struggle with that sometimes as believers. How do I start this conversation? How, how do I start talking to somebody about Jesus without sounding like a, you know, something, a kook or something? How, how do I do this? Well, we're going to talk about some ways to do that. And, and since we are starting off with the 100th season of the NFL, uh, I'm going to talk about a sports way today. Here, here's a sports way. Anybody that likes sports, whether you like watching sports, you like participating in sports, this is one way that you can do that. Almost half, 
of those who are unchurched say that they would attend a, a, a sports or exercise event at a church. Well, we just happen to have some of those here at National Heights, and that's the reason why. We have an exercise program on, on Monday nights. We have a basketball program on Wednesday nights. Do you know some people who, who, who like sports in your life? Who maybe they would like an opportunity for a, a time of regular exercise and just some some uh, encouragement to do that, or maybe they they like basketball, or, or maybe we're not doing one of the sports that they like, but we could start one. Well, we've actually started some. We have a pickleball group. Is there a group of folks that like pickleball? And so on Tuesday nights they come up here and uh, play pickleball. And maybe you've got a sport that you know somebody would would like to be involved in. Talk to us about it. We'll figure out how we can start that event here at our church. But that's a simple way, a, a, a way to talk to a person of, about their faith. Because at each one of those events, when we have those here at church, a part of that is, is just talking about what Jesus means to us. It's a simple, easy way to start that conversation. We'll give you lots more. That's just one for this morning. Because, folks, this is so important. We want our family to grow. We don't want to just be a family that, that locks the doors and shoes out the world. We, we want our family to grow. We want more people to come into the family of God. And there's only one way for that to happen, and that's for them to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. There's not another door. There's not another avenue. So we want to share Christ with our world. Because what we're here to do is to give glory to Him. Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence here this morning. Lord, we can rejoice together. We're part of a family. Not because we deserve to be, not because we have in any way earned our way into your family, but God, through your grace, you made the way. And so we give you praise this morning. And God, we know there's a lot of folks outside these walls that don't have that joy. And so we want to find some ways to introduce them. We want to find some ways to, to show them your love. We want to find some ways to, to share Christ with our world. So help us, Heavenly Father, to do that. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.